0: We are joined this afternoon in our first NASCAR interview with driver Eric Jones. First off, man, how you doing and how's uh, how you enjoying the season so far?
1: It's been good. I mean, uh, you know, just getting rolling this year and, you know, you're kind of in the swing of things now in the summer here in May and really rolling every week. So, um, yeah, it's been good just to get started off and, you know, get back in the swing of it, but uh, definitely kind of getting getting in the heart of the season now and uh, getting rolling pretty, pretty fast every week.
0: Yeah, so, you know, before we kind of take a look back on kind of your career path, we have North Wilkesboro this weekend, which is, you know, probably new to just about everybody and who's racing this weekend for, uh, you know, for the All-Star event. What's it like to go, you know, what's it like for NASCAR to be back at, at such a famous track?
1: Well, I think it's just neat to see see us go back somewhere that we we left, right? I, you know, I think you look at the history of the track and in North Wilkesboro and what it meant to the sport um, it, you know it's rare that you ever leave a venue and then return to it so um, up there and seeing the improvements it's been pretty impressive to see how much they've worked to, to bring it back but uh, the event itself obviously has a ton of hype around it coming up for this weekend and yeah and what it's going to mean to the sport so um, I think we're all pretty excited to get up there and race there it's just one of those those tracks that you look and watch races as a driver and you know, hope you get the chance to go race there someday. And uh, it's going to be cool to get the cup cars back out there for sure.
0: Yeah, I know they had a little bit of an issue yesterday. I forget who was running with pavement coming up. Is there any concern with kind of preparation that the track has undergone in the last, you know, however many months? Or, you know, these things just happen and you just kind of roll with the punches?
1: Well, I think there's probably some concern. You know, obviously the cup cars are heavy and, we have the diffusers that are me hitting the racetrack and some rub blocks and stuff and the, in the surfaces, you know, 35, 40 years old. So there's <laughs> concern there, but I think the tracks learn as they go and how they're going to sure. handle that hatchet and get the sealer better and uh, not have it coming up, you know, when we're out there, but you know, it's hot too. So it's hard to keep some of that stuff down and then the racetrack we'll just have to, you know, have to see how it's going to play out. I, I hope we don't have any issues. You never want to see an event like that. You know, get sure. kind of marred sure. or, or overlooked because of issues like that. So, um, we'll we'll see how it goes. But it, you know, I think hopefully SMI is going to have a plan in place for this weekend, um, to kind of mitigate some of those
0: issues. So you began racing, you know, quarter midget racing when you were when you were younger. But how did you you know, get involved in racing? You know, what led you to want to start racing when you were when you were growing up?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess um you know, just started as as you know love for cars in general but sure um, you know transition into you know being a casual fan watching NASCAR as a kid and um, you know onward into you know just, just reading a little bit about quarter midgets and what they were and and, and just kind of got started in it we were a first generation uh racing family I didn't have any family that raced before me so uh, we had heard about it and uh, I thought it'd be really fun uh, you know as a kid and was begging to kind of go do it and uh, we ended up going and, and jumping in head first. So it was, uh, it was pretty cool to get going. You know, something I think every kid wants to do, but uh, it was cool to see sure. it happen.
0: Yeah, Everybody asks me, like, did you race when you were little instead of, you know, being on the racing media side? I went, Nope, I played hockey because I definitely was not going to, uh, you know, be, uh, be able to afford, you know, race cars and quarter midgets and whatever else I wanted to do when I was, when I was little. So I, I get that. I wanted to too, but I I settled for for watching them the stands. But when you were at that age and you started racing, did you have drivers that you tried to emulate that you you know, rooted for that were in NASCAR, in IndyCar, in Formula One, you know, wherever they were? Yeah, I mean NASCAR. I always followed uh, Jeff Gordon was always the guy okay. that I was uh, cheering
1: for. You know, early two thousands and and watching him every week as a fan was was always my favorite and and you know early on as a kid wanted to uh follow his career path and kind of how he got to NASCAR and that was you know the only somewhat blueprint I guess we had you know to see okay how did he get from you know point A to point B and um and just try to learn from that but he was always the guy that I followed
0: awesome before i continue with racing questions have to go to a little bit of a music question here we have a pit lane parlay drivers spotify playlist so if you're going to listen to a song you know pre-race or you pre-qualifying is there a song that you want to put on there (laughs) oh man i'm not much of um
1: a music guy before events like that but um if i had to pick one song um I don't know, maybe, uh, life in the fast lane, the Eagles, something like that. I could go with that. That's a
0: good song. Kind of, kind of racing theme. So we'll go with that one. All right. I got it. So we'll go back to, you know, racing. You are part of, you know, legacy, uh, motor club for the, for the you know inaugural year this year. How has that transition as, as Jimmy has come in as, as owner and co-owner been so far this year and, and, you know, what is the long-term outlook from a driver's perspective for a, a sort of a new team at this point? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely changed a bit with Jimmy
1: coming in, you know, and and obviously everyone has their own um, style leadership and role and, and what they see as far as the future of, of whatever they're involved in. Right. Yeah. Um, and Jimmy, you know, I think it wants to obviously see us become a, a very successful team and, and there was things we had to do to make that, that change. And so, you know, he's been working hard to try to put those pieces in place for the future. But um, Jimmy's a really good guy, and, and I've, I've known him for a lot of years, never never worked with him on anything sure. Uh, in racing. So it's been just fun to get to know him better and work side-by-side here over the last few months and uh, see him get back in the race car, get back on the track, and uh, and having some fun with that too. But really good guy and, and definitely happy, I think, all of us are, to have him over,
0: uh, over in our group. From a from a driving standpoint, have you been able to glean any information from him, any setup tips and tricks over the last four or five months as he's kind of you've know, gotten back into the car at a handful of races?
1: You know, small stuff here and there. It, it's tough because the cars have changed so much. And sure. you know, I think he found out so quickly when he hopped in, him, you know, just how far removed they are from from our last generation cars so it's uh it's unfortunate cuz i i would <laughs> I would love to pick his brain on a lot of stuff and um you know it just doesn't apply too much anymore so you know i've asked him some general racing questions and stuff how he approached certain situations that you know some things don't change in racing you know beyond the beyond the race car itself so um he's he's a wealth of knowledge for that obviously 20 plus years in the sport uh and, and tons of success too so He's always an open book though. You know, he's there to help Noah and I the whole time to try to answer any questions we have. He's been in the simulator working and doing some stuff there with us. So uh,
0: okay. it's been, been good. You you had your last win last year in Darlington. Your first win was all the way back in Daytona in 2018. Are you one of those drivers that you can, you know, look back to a, a win and go, you know, Hey, I won in 2018 at Daytona. This is a, who I beat, who finished on the podium. Like, can you remember details like that all the way back to your first win?
1: Uh, I usually can. I guess okay. I've never thought about it too much, but <laughs> I think back to him, I can I can think of them pretty quickly.
0: Okay. Who was on the and I don't have this in front of me, so I'm just curious. <laughs> uh you know, I, I I don't have it handy. For your first race win, who was do you remember who was on the podium?
1: Well, I remember who finished second for sure, and okay. that was Mark Martin, uh, Martin Truex Jr. I third that day. I can't remember. You know, I'm trying to think back to all these races now. I guess I can remember who finished second a lot of times. Um, (laughs) You know, you're racing with him so much in those state in those ending stages. But um, it's hard to remember who ran third in those races. It's funny that I've never really thought about that. But it's kind of interesting to try to think back. Remember. So
0: now that I have it up now, I I guess I should have had it up before I asked. But uh, third was A.J. Allmendinger in the 2018 race. The forty-seven. Yeah.
1: I remember him and him and the thirty-seven both were up there uh teammates in contention at the end. So that that makes sense.
0: So as you look towards the you know, back kind of two-thirds of this season, you know, we're on year two of the next gen car and there's probably some things that still need to be ironed out. You know, what are you you know, is there anything car wise that you're concerned about, but also, you know, looking forward to being able to, you know, work on over the second part of the season
1: yeah it's you know i think we're just still learning so much about this car on on the setup side it was interesting the old car you know you just kind of pile as much down force into it as you could and and it would drive pretty good most of the time you could kind of tweak your balance to get it where you wanted to be where you know this car you can't do that as much you really got to make it drive sure. good a lot more finicky than what the old car was the adjustments are a lot smaller the windows are a lot smaller to be really good or really bad Um, so it's been tougher in general to go out and, and it's getting tougher and tougher as we go with the window, getting smaller and smaller, um, you know, with people learning about this car. So it's been fun though, you know, just coming in and learning something totally different. The old car was so optimized and so far down the line, there was nothing really groundbreaking that anyone was, was doing. Um, you know, we were doing some cool stuff here and there, but there was no real new things coming on the scene, um, with the old car. So it was kind of fun to start over from.
0: Hi, my name is Andy Billman,
1: and this is the Believe in the Land podcast. A weekly look back at the week that was in Cleveland sports. The highs.
2: Guardians clap! Guardians clap!
1: The lows.
2: I've been asked on this channel all the time, when are you going to panic? Panic button's been hit!
1: And everything in between. I directed a film that came out in 2016 called Believe Land. And we love our sports here in Cleveland, Ohio. Thank you, God! Check in for weekly podcast and so much more.
2: What the hell was that tonight?
0: All in, all
1: day, every day. Go Cleveland. Believe in the land. From, from scratch was something that nobody really knew anything about and try to, uh, you know, try to be the first guy to figure it out, and uh, that's that's been fun for me as as a driver, and uh, and just kind of learning about something totally new.
0: Do you prefer so far the new car more than the old car? Or is it just totally different? You can't compare it like that. It's hard to
1: compare. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the new car is better on some places. I think the old car was a little bit better on other places. But you know, we're working hard to kind of balance that out. You know, sure. the arrow and, and the suspension and stuff. We're there's a lot of changes in the works right now uh, with NASCAR to try to kind of balance some of the short track and road course issues we've had. So, you know, the mile and a half and a bit, some, some, some of the super speedway races have been pretty good in the next gen car, but definitely we have some work to do on the short track package. So, um, you know, it's interesting to see on that side of too, things too, right? How NASCAR approaches that and, you know, how we kind of move through making these things better. So um, it's been good though. They've been in a lot of communication with us and kind of ask what we need from the race car to go put on good races. And I think that's been, I think
0: it's been really beneficial. Uh, I have two more questions for you here. And I was curious, you know, as you know, NASCAR and, and maybe certain drivers has been in the news a lot lately for on track antics. And it, it seems to be creating a lot of buzz in, you know, sports news in general, that maybe isn't necessarily a big, you know, to big people who aren't NASCAR fans. Is that okay to you? Is it a little frustrating when it's, you know, antics causing, you know, that are making waves in the news and not, Hey, that was an awesome race at, you know, blah, 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 last weekend. You know, how do you, how do you feel that, that line between good and antics?
1: Well, I think eyes on the sport are always good. Right. But I think at the end of the day, that's, you know, you want people to become interested because it is a good race. Right. I mean, that's what we do at the end Mm -hmm. of the day. um, You know, I don't think any of us are interested in it becoming, um, you know, uh, some kind of drama series week to week. And I know I'm definitely (laughs) not. Um, But, yeah, I mean, if we can get some eyes on the sport through that, um, you know, I'll I'll take it. But I don't want that to become the only reason people are watching. Right. You know, I I want them to eventually become invested just because they enjoy the racing. You know, they enjoy the competition and the strategy of it all and, and have fun watching it as a fan and find, you know, find a guy that they enjoy rooting for as well. So. Um, you know, you don't want it to become too much drama off the track ever. I don't think anybody wants that, but you know, if it does get some more eyes on the sport, you know, I think we're all for it.
0: Awesome. Last question here. I wanted to give you just a brief chance to kind of talk about your, uh, your charity and your, your children's book initiative and where people can learn more about it.
1: Yeah. So we started the Eric Jones foundation a couple of years ago now. And, um, you know, right off the bat, there's some more information on my website, ericjonesracing.com. We have a foundation tab on there to learn, uh, really in depth about it. But, you know, we do a few different things. And, and one of them, like you mentioned, being, um, literacy, literacy and reading, especially mm-hmm. literacy with kids. And, um, I've been just a big reader my whole life and wanted to kind of find a way to connect that through what I do. And I didn't really know how until a couple of years ago, and we started doing some readings with kids books and. Uh, it's really caught on. And so that's been a lot of fun. And then we also do some stuff with ca- uh, cancer, uh, early detection and awareness, which may uh, this month is melanoma awareness month month, which is uh, a big group we've worked with over the last few years. So um, the foundation, yeah, it's grown a lot. It's become something that, um, you know, I have a lot of fun with and just enjoy sure. working with is doing some of the cool events that we do. So um, looking to keep it just growing getting bigger and and better and support more causes when we can. And, um, you know, just, just growing into to see what it can, can become, but definitely become uh, something I really enjoyed.
0: Awesome. For everybody listening, I'll put the link in the podcast description and on the social medias when we post out the episode. Yeah. I, I wish co-host could join. He got stuck in a meeting, but he has like the most insane collection of just racing books. Oh, wow. Uh, and I've actually, I, so I was at his house a couple of months ago and it's, it's more than just like one bookshelf. I think there's two or three like whole bookshelves with just racing books and, and other books. So it's, he's got a pretty cool collection of, of books. We've done a racing book YouTube video at one point sometime or the other, but anyway, man, I, I appreciate the time and you know, best of luck this year. I'll see you at the track it at some point. And uh, yeah, good luck.
1: Sounds good, man. Thanks for having
0: All me. Right. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah. We'll see you.
2: I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 258 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-backed training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run, where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along The Planted Runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you.